Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Hi, I'm Chris Steyerwald. And I'm Eliana Johnson. Welcome to Ink Stained Wretches, where we break down what's going wrong and what's going right with the American news media. Chris, we have so much to talk about. We got to like race through this, but... We did get pizza, though. We did. We got delicious pizza, and I came off like a fasting diabetes test, and it... What did I eat while you ate pizza? So good. What did I eat while you all ate? Chris had a freaking salad that actually looked amazing. I, a fat American, committed to being a slightly less fat American, (laughs) ate pizza while you guys ate Emmy Square Detroit-style delicious pizza. Too bad we don't have a video here because our audience did miss you eating, attacking a pizza pizza keto-style. I'm going right for that pepperoni. I'm not afraid to... Destroying that. I'm not afraid to skin a pizza. I bought the pizza. I will destroy the pizza. As Bill Cosby would say, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the front page. These are the stories that we thought were most important this week. Chris, the first one is so obvious, and I have like 10 million things to say about it. We got Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, testifying under oath before the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee. Was it? No, Armed Services. The Senate Armed Services. And then we're, and, we, and we should say we're recording early this week. This is Wednesday. So he's he, before House. He, so today yeah. he's before the House. And, and not surprisingly, uh, performative Congressman Matt Gates had uh, many feelings today in the House, but th- their testimony continues. And the first thing I want to say is how right you were. Let's let's build up to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want Guys, to you got to build victory? up to like, I need like, oh, good. I need to like cl- climb this mountain slowly and know that there's this wonderful treat for me at the top. So... <laughs> Let's play what Millie said, which it didn't, the thing is what, it it didn't contradict what Bob Woodward and Bob Costa wrote in their book, but it did suggest they omitted a really important detail that would have changed the story. So, So, no, no, I want to, let's play the Millie clip. I know, I am certain that President Trump did not intend to attack the Chinese, and it is my directed responsibility and it was my directed responsibility by the secretary to convey that intent to the Chinese. My task at that time was to de-escalate. My message again was consistent. Stay calm, steady, and de-escalate. We are not going to attack you. At Secretary of Defense Esper's direction, I made a call to General Lee on 30 October. Eight people sat in that call with me, and I read out the call within 30 minutes of the call ending. So Milley told the Congress that his communications with this Chinese general were with the knowledge and coordination of civilian oversight. Yep. And that, I have not read the book, but at least in the news accounts. Of in, the excerpt, the book, in the excerpt, and we devoted uh, most of an episode to talking about this and the anonymous sourcing and the intim- the strong intimation in the book was that he was freelancing and was going outside of the chain of command. And that doesn't seem to be the case. It doesn't seem to be the case. They, it would seem, left out of their book that this was coordinated and done with the approval of the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper. And the 
other thing that Milley said that I thought was interesting was he said, it was my job to communicate the president's intention. And I knew the president had no intent of attacking China. Yep. And I thought that was interesting. That actually made sense. And I think the way that it was written up in the press accounts and in the book is that the Chinese, like the New York Times writes that Milley had to reassure uh the Chinese, that Donald J. Trump had no plans to attack China in an effort to remain in power and that the United States was not collapsing, which it just seems overheated and like a distortion of what actually occurred here. Unless Millie lied under oath, in which case, like, we've got a different. Well, so can we now talk about how right you were? Have you climbed? Yes. So so a couple of weeks ago, I said to Chris on this on this very show, Chris, did a went on a diatribe against anonymous sources. And I said, Chris, okay, like they're anonymous, quote unquote, but obviously Millie was the source for this. So let's cut to yesterday's hearing. And this is Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee Senator, asking, putting some questions to Millie. General Millie, um, yes or no to this. Did you talk to Bob Woodard or Robert Costa for their book, Peril? Woodward, yes. Costa, no. All right, Chris, I'm ready. So my point was, who knows? But you said your reporter's intuition told you it had to be Millie, and you were right. And I would further say shame on Mark Millie for doing this kind of anonymous source book. Uh, what possibly, if you are the top uh, military officer in the United States, what possible business do you have canoodling with Bob Woodward and Bob Costa? And, and Carol Lennig and Phil Rucker right, and, and Michael Bender. Yep. This is really, this really diminishes him in my eyes. I I know that he would not be the first military man to leak some stuff to the press and do all those things, but how profligate he was and on sensitive matters is really, really diminishes him in my eyes. That's, that is. Chris, I will also say this does not prove me right. Like Millie wasn't necessarily the source for that information. No, I know. But, but okay. Like clearly he, he's talking to the press and personally to your point, Andrea Mitchell, she was on her show, which, like, can we even believe she's still on television? Okay. Oh, so anyways, she her show is on right after the hearings on MSNBC. Okay. And she, nothing to me captured the solipsism of the press and the fact that this clip about who Millie talked to and who he didn't talk to and whether he read their books, that's what was replayed over and over. To me, like, the takeaway from the hearing was Biden either didn't remember what his advisor said or lied about what his advisor said. That was like subsumed by which reporters did Millie talk to? It was just on replay back to back. But Andrea Mitchell says. I want to play uh, part of that exchange with Senator Marsha Blackburn uh, from Kentucky about the book report that she assigned this four star general. Let's watch. So she says, of course, Mark Milley wouldn't have the time to read these silly little journalism books, except that he had the time to sit down with every last yeah. one of them. Like, give me a break. He, he, that, and that, that's a real bummer. I also found I was also bummed out by the line of questioning around Afghanistan that was focusing on whether Milley should have resigned. And this is to his credit, which he said, look, I'm not I'm not the commander in chief. And if we told the president what he what we thought he should do and that we should leave a residual force in Afghanistan and he didn't want to do it. So I can't, you know, look, when, when Jim Mattis resigned over Trump's foreign policy, specifically the abandonment of the Kurds, he didn't do it. It happened over a period of time and it was gradual and all that stuff. 
And I would also say, you wouldn't expect a general to resign the first time that a president didn't take their advice. But the second, third, fourth time that a president's not listening, then you say, okay, well, uh, you know, if you're not going to listen to me, you, it, would, it would be like a doctor firing a patient. Like, if you're not going to listen to what I tell you, quit coming back around here. I will say, normally, the witnesses at these hearings don't get to talk. And I thought that the lawmakers... Yeah, uh, relatively good. They, they were pretty good yesterday. We did get to hear from mm-hmm. Millie and SecDef Floyd Austin. So that's, okay, that's our, like, uh, foreign policy bit. Chris, you've got a domestic policy take. Well, these are all our takes. The front page we share together. We share, we reason together as colleagues. But it is just a note on, again, we're, by the time you, by, by the time you hear this, we may have resolved these questions. But, of course, we talked last week, a lot of coverage around the Republicans vote to, to crash. On yeah, the debt. Republicans vote to crash that. Now, Republicans vote to torch the economy. You know, one cheer, two cheers uh, for Republicans for offering uh, a clean continuation of government spending, which was the responsible thing to do to say, okay, because what the Democrats did, and this is what we talked about last week, what the Democrats did was to to harness, to yoke together an increase of the debt ceiling with a continuing funding resolution, hoping to track trap Republicans. Uh, so the Republicans did the responsible thing and brought forward and said, no, we'll, we'll vote to keep the government open fully, but we're not going to do the two of them together. They don't want to do the two of them together because it's huge leverage for them in trying to derail the Democrats' $3.5 trillion social welfare spending package that is so important for the Progressive Caucus. So the coverage going into this week was like, Republicans are ready to drive America off a cliff. <laughs> and as is very often the case, and this is an under underappreciated thing, Republicans complain about the coverage and all of these things. Very few people are consuming that coverage, really. That's a political junkie story. And the spin in a, you know, Phil Rucker piece or whatever, like that, that is an inside, that's an inside baseball game. What we observed over yesterday and today was the pressure on the Progressive Caucus on their threat to veto or to submarine the popular bipartisan infrastructure bill already passed through Congress. So those stories started to appear. And are they really willing to do it? And the other stories that started to appear was that the Democrats were really had put themselves in a pickle on this debt ceiling stuff. So it was interesting to watch McConnell and the Senate Republicans played it wisely by they they kept their powder dry and waited. And then it has turned. Kept their powder dry on what? Kept their powder dry on freaking out about the pressure that was coming down story after story, like Republicans to default, Uh, Republicans want to default. And they were like, yeah, cool story. We'll just see. We'll see what you do, because they know that in the end. If as long as Democrats have the votes to do it, the pressure, the pressure's on the majority party. Up next, Chris, the <laughs> other Chris, the bad Chris, Chris Cuomo. Okay. He is the man we always knew him to be. Page six featuring a report earlier this week that Cuomo's female executive producer, a woman by the name of Melanie Buck, felt threatened by his insane temper and requested to leave the show. And she basically acknowledges that in the piece. She says, we ultimately had significant differences and I asked to leave the show. I have moved on and I'm looking forward to my latest role with CNN+. Plus. She didn't say the significant differences were over like whether it's okay to scream and be a, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. total nightmare, but one can assume. I love the page six. The pictures that page six put with it is in a, like an old GTO, cruising in an old GTO. And he looks like Mark Wahlberg in the movie where he's the stalker, you know, the the bad boyfriend that I'm, do you, do you know the movie I'm talking about? I haven't seen any movies, so. 
Uh, this was like a aughts movie or like a 90s movie where I like star- anything from my childhood I haven't seen. My husband just exposed me to Rain Man and he was like, I can't believe you haven't seen this. That's movie. a sweet movie. Oh my gosh, I cried my eyes out. It's a very sweet movie. Yeah, the movie is called Fear and he's like the stalker ex-boyfriend and the New York Post chooses these pictures of Chris Qual- oh, yeah, they're looking like they he's are. stalking like he's stalking his ex-girlfriend with his shades <laughs> Totally. Hey, what are you doing? Well, the chaser to this is Eric Wemple in the Washington Post noting that CNN, there's now two public allegations that, I mean, Cuomo is not really denying either one of them, but from women who have known him. And CNN is just like, it's crickets over there. And Wemple writes, it looks as if CNN is going to leave the matter there. The network's PR operation has yet to issue a statement about how the company views the matter. Cuomo hasn't mentioned the story on his show. Surely Brian Stelter will get to the bottom. I Well, it says, nor did host Brian Stelter uh, on the uh, Sunday media show Reliable uh, Sources, though they did mention it in their, uh, in the like Reliable Sources newsletter. Anyhow, what, what struck me is CNN is, has emerged as the anti-Trump network, but very Trumpian tactics. Just, you know, I th- I think, never giving well, it so did, so did ABC with its thing. You know, they wouldn't follow totally. through on its. Inv- Here, here's the stuff about the Me Too and all, all of this in Me Too. Me Too got started in a big part because it was about Roger Ailes and the, and it was the beginning of it was rooted in <clears throat> the claims against Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly and that stuff. And it was like, aha. And then it got and then it ate Harvey Weinstein and it was like, uh, is this still OK? And then it kept going and it was taking out Charlie Rose and it was all these other people. There would have been no one left, guys. Well, no, there's a lot of great, <laughs> there's a lot of good, a lot of good dudes out there doing stuff. There are, I see Alexis shaking us off, but uh, there are a lot of good dudes out there who do not act gross. But the- well, I was wondering, Chris, was Fox, I my only experience in TV is working at Fox. Do you think Fox was you worse than them? You but yeah, but not like in the office every okay, day. Okay, okay. Was Fox objectively worse than all the other places or just like all the other places? Well. Or was it the fact that the CEO I was, himself was, but the I, Les Moonves was doing this at CBS too. I was very, very lucky because I worked in the Washington Bureau under Bill Salmon, who is like, a, a, walks, a, walks as a saint among us. Ah, uh, Faith and Begara. And, you know, a dad of five, a dad of five and, and just all around good dude. So the vibe there was, it, it, we'll put it this way. When the Roger, I, when the Roger stuff started to come out and the other stories started to come out, you know, the allegations against Eric, but like the, the whole slew of allegations, we were like, man, what are they doing in New York? When do they have time to do all of this? Stuff? As if DC didn't fire anyone. Oh no, there were a couple, there were definitely a couple, but. I'm just saying the general climate in Washington was very different. Yeah, I worked in New York, and it did suggest to me the fish rots from the head. So there was yeah, a certain yeah, yeah. culture and lots of people, like, complicit in it. So do you see, was Fox worse, or was it, that was a great way of avoiding my question. I, I, I don't know, because I, I, I was not an editor any other place except for at Fox. I've been on a lot of different networks, but I, I can say that. I was genuinely surprised at the depth of what had gone on. It was not, it was, I knew that Roger, I had thought of Roger as kind of a dirty old man, a, a rascal, but it was like, whoa. My dad would have said, he used to say this when my sisters and I were fighting. He's a torture artist. He really perfected yep. like the art of Scorpions uh, and Bob. Tor- torture. So yeah, he used to tell us that we were, you know, torture artists when we like really got under the other, per- you know, whatever, skin. All right, Chris, next we got 
Kirsty Nome in the Christ, news. Christy Nome. Christy. I thought it's Kirsty. Christy. Frequent Fox News guest. The former con- You're right, Christy Nome. Former Congresswoman from South She's- Dakota. Uh, went back, became governor of South Dakota, reinvented herself as a MAGA 10,000X pro maskless giant motorcycle rallies. Like just she and but has been incons- uh, inconsistent, I guess, is how I put it. She is like anyhow, nothing to do with the AP story, which we're yes, about. it is to do with the AP story <laughs> okay. because she positioned herself as a populist renegade. I see where you're going. And like, we don't care what the elites say. We will do whatever we want. So the AP nails her on the story where her daughter was refused for what kind of license? It's a a license to become a certified real estate appraiser. Okay, okay. so she's so she is denied a real estate appraiser's license. And then the next day after she fails the test, the woman in charge of the agency is called to the governor's office where Christy Nome's daughter is. And is called to the carpet, and I believe the way that this ends is the daughter gets the license and the and the political appointee gets fired, is how it ends. And this is, looks horrible. This is as horrible as I can think of. Oh, I can think of more horrible. Well, no, in terms of, a, well, yes, obviously, but like, this is in the category of gross abuse of power. That, I agree with that. If, if that's what's true, that's gross abuse of power. But, so uh, what yeah. does, so what does... Christine Ohm say, what does her office say to the AP? Tell me, Chris. Oh, you're just trying to bring down Republicans and hear you. And this is why no one believes the news media anymore. And the, the this is a thing where it's like, okay, will you answer this? The AP has, and we saw this, we talked about this with Ron DeSantis and stuff in Florida, where it's like, just attack the AP, just attack the reporter, just attack. Can I open a Diet Coke? Can I make this? Or you tell them it's a beer. Uh, I wish. All right. Um, but. Going in a te- so you have a clear ethics problem. You have the AP doing its job, and instead of talking about the allegation, they do that. So we were getting ready to talk about that when the when Politico broke a story about Corey Lewandowski being accused of gross groping in news of uh, in in like bottom headlines of the week or yeah. like most expected headlines of the week. Politico reports Trump donor colon Corey Lewandowski made unwanted sexual advances. Well, what she done, done, done. What she, it is horrible. What she describes like, yeah, as a really horrible at, at a Las Vegas. A sexual harasser. Well, I don't, I mean, he's been accused of by other women of stuff and much has been said about him. So then you're reading the article in Politico. Is like, is he like next on the Fox News contributor hire list? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, by the way, did you see the story about Rudy Giuliani finding out that he was banned from Fox no. on September 11th? Uh, oh, oh, I saw the story, but I didn't see like his reaction. Yeah, it's like, and you, it's like, it's hard to feel bad for Rudy Giuliani anymore, but you have to feel bad when you find out the day before September 11th that you're like, <laughs> Not even here. Not even Fox and Friends, bro. Not even not even here. Anyway. But you know what? I'm sure he could take refuge at Newsmax or Newsmax OANN. Is, Newsmax is available. Stop right. by. So anyway, this Lewandowski story, story comes out. And who is in that story? But Christy Nome shows up in the story that she was at the event where this takes place. And you're like, why was she at this event where this takes place? And then another story appears that alleges, well, how do we say, we would say. It alleges a, an a, inappropriate a marital affair between Christy Nome and, Christy Nome, excuse me, Governor, I'm sorry. And she's, if Ford, she's listened to this, if she's listened to this point, I think you've been pronouncing her first it. name is not going right, to be yeah. number one complaint. <laughs> now, we don't, uh, this, is from, this is from American Greatness. I was going to say, this is like the most 
really ballsy of them to go forward with this story with no on the record Nothing. quotes. And there, there is no reason. To, there is no reason to believe that the story is true. When you look at the story, it's a, it's a. They allege that Lewandowski and uh, Christy Noem, according have, to Chris's favorite anonymous sources. Yeah, anonymous. Was it Mark Milley? <laughs> well, based on our past experience, you sit down with the American Grip Magic Eight Ball. Magic Eight Ball yeah. says Millie, but the the idea that so what here's thing number one: people are out to get them some Christy No, or maybe she's collateral or some damage. Corey. Well, yeah, or maybe it's collateral damage with Christine or with uh, Corey Lewandowski. But the 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 media spin strategy here here's my, here's my takeaway for for anybody who is a a spin doctor her brash gross in your face super like smash mouth version of politics that she reinvented herself in uh surrounding being an acolyte of Trump and surrounding coronavirus and all that other stuff i'm not saying that it prevents people from coming after you but i will say that when they do come for you if you have been if you have been crushing reporters and if you have been hitting them in the head with ping pong balls for the past two years, it's going to be a lot harder to to what should be able to happen in a place like this is that you would give somebody the benefit of the doubt. I don't know whether American greatness is going to get sued until it loses its last MAGA hat, but it is like you catch more flies with honey. I'm not saying that you always have to to kiss up to the press, but, you know. It, it, it helps to maintain a good working relationship with the people who cover you instead of calling the South Dakota Associated Press Bureau like the tools of Stalinist. What does that have to do with American greatness? Because now it's like someone on the right saying that? Well, no, I'm saying it's like you get to critical mass and good good faith is a, is a value. In a press operation, you're going to get bad stories. You're going to get good stories. You're going to get this day, that day. But if on the day, just think about it this way. You're already stuck in a scandal with your daughter. You're, the way that you play the scandal with your daughter is to come out and say, you lie, you dirty Stalinist. And then the next day, you're in a story in Politico about being there where a woman is being sexually harassed, allegedly. And then the next day, you're in a story about carrying on an inappropriate relationship. It doesn't help you with the reporters who cover you day in and day out if you treat them like garbage. Well, uh, let me stipulate a little clarification. I don't think the people at American Greatness are reporters who no. fall into this category. They're like partisans who are out to get her. Nothing against partisans, but I did have an interaction with them when they somebody over there wrote the, the, how the Free Beacon had to apologize for Russian disinformation, and you know, da, da, da. we never got like a request for comment or anything. They referred to the editor in chief of the Free Beacon as my predecessor, now your colleague Matthew Continetti, but it suggested to me like the, this stuff is completely factually wrong. There was no effort yeah. at rudimentary fact checking. So I think that's about, I would not lump them with like the age. No, 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 no. But I mean that it, no. in a different circumstance, when a, when a hit piece like that comes out, an unsourced, an anonymously sourced grosso hit piece comes out, I'd want to be able, if I was her press secretary, to be able to go to the folks. Do you remember when this, something like this happened to Nikki Haley in South Carolina? I actually I, no, I, I actually what came. I do remember that, but what came to mind to me was the way Nikki play, Haley played the Michael Wolf thing, where he reported that she was having an affair with Trump, and he did yeah, and then I did an interview with Nikki for Politico, <laughs> and she ripped his head off and said this is a sexist attack, and you know whatever, and then it ended up with him him 
being Wolf, getting kicked off of Morning Joe because they were like pressing him about why would you say this about someone like anonymously sourced oh. so on. So her and but and her the the one where her career was starting, she was running against Henry McMaster yeah. down in South Carolina, and a uh, blogger came out and was like, "I must confess, I have been having sex with Nikki Haley," <laughs> and she denied it. Her reputation, like her reputation and who she was, mattered as reporters were trying to assess, like, okay. Is this a, is this reasonable? Is this unreasonable? What are the things here? We say that we're here in the pursuit of facts. We are, but we have to understand personalities and character as we're talking to people. And, you know, Michael Wolf is a good example. You say somebody said that she had received Donald Trump's delegation and you're like, oh my gosh, who said that? And then you're like, Michael Wolf. And you're like, oh, never mind. Okay, whatever. Uh, Chris, just you're on a roll. Keep going. No. Stephanie Grisham of a piece with all these other people we're talking about. So Stephanie Grisham says she, she the reason that she didn't hold press briefings is why. So these are excerpts from her forthcoming book. Whatever. I'm so bored by all this like salacious Trump stuff. She says that, you know, Trump made her testify that his private parts is not shaped like a, a toadstool. Yes. I can't uh, that, even it, say it without laughing, but it's like, you know, OK, Stephanie. I, this was to rebut the claims of Stormy Daniels. Uh, yeah. And like. These people had no credibility when they're in the White House, but somehow I feel like the media operates like they are now telling the of truth. Course, but this is, uh, but this is the it's the it's the Mark McClellan, not Mark McClellan, uh, who is the guy Bush Bush's tragic press secretary. Oh my gosh, I, Scott McClellan. Scott McClellan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Alexis. You heard? Yeah. Uh, sneaking in the pod. She's she was like not even born when this is true. This is from <laughs> she was in three, utero. In utero, she's she making a note. Oh my I, god. I don't think these gaggles are going to cut it, Scott. So uh, this is the thing where he uh, tries to dish on the Bush. He, his book was called, like, What the Hell Happened or something like that. And then Keith Oberman had him on for two interviews. And they were like, OK, see you later, loser. But while he was in the Bush White House, he got no cred. But as soon as he had something bad to say, then he became. Because what what do all of us want? We want conflict. We want stories about conflict. So it's not interesting when a Republican says something bad about a Democrat or a Democrat says something bad about a Republican. You want uh, you want blue on blue or red on red violence. Uh, but I think that her excuse about not holding any press briefings because she knew that Trump would make her lie. If you already know that, you should leave. Whereas he wasn't making her lie in, you know, all these other. Yeah. And there's other uh, settings. OK, I'm going to skip my item. We're, we're tight on time. So but we got to hit we got to hit these last two. Journalists in Portland at the network KATU, there was no programming for an entire day while they took a mental health day. No program, no news. No news programming, right. What they put on? I don't know. It says afternoon, morning and afternoon shows have been preempted and will not air on Monday, September 27th. The entire news team is attending a seminar to help deal with, str with on-the-job stress and trauma. And then you notice that, like, the people from Pointer are coming in to give a presentation. So I had my colleague Andrew Stiles look up, like, what is this presentation the Pointer's doing or can we ask them for it? It's available online. We'll link it. You guys should all go see. But one of the things that they recommend to cure the PTSD and trauma journalists have suffered is uh, sexual self-pleasure. Whoa, no. Uh, so no. so as, as my boss said, Let's Jeffrey try. Cuban was ahead of the curve. Uh, uh, the whole thing is ridiculous. This thing on, I don't know. Who? I just walked in here. I don't have no idea what's happening here. I look, I, I, I mock it. I mock the, the, because mental it's objectively health mockable. Well, and also because we're supposed to be tough, but I know it's hard to be tough. I know. And, and 
Sometimes it, you just need to sexual self. Whoa. Um, all right. I'm putting, I'm linking this in the show notes. Tubin right. says you can do both. You can do it oh, at the yeah. same time. You don't have, why take, Please, why take the day? Totally, why take totally. the day? All right. You're just on a break in, in between Zoom meetings and boom. Speaking of local news, a story from Channel 6, ABC Channel 6 in, I guess, the Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Ben Salem police warn parents to be on alert during Halloween for possible can cannabis candies. Now, it goes on to tell you, and I swear this is true. I swear that this is a, an article that we'll was written, it. We'll that, it. that this was a story that was done on a local newscast. And the story is that police found somebody who was had contraband pot edibles that they were bringing into Metro Ben Salem, and they busted these people, and that they they were spoof joke to look like popular mainstream products. And they have the pictures in here that are like of, you know, fl they're, 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 yeah, nerd rope, different, like they're, they're like, because you know, uh, you know how the, the potheads are with all that stuff. So, and so they have these products that kind of, that look like these things and it's a spoof. And so you put this in the hands of a assignment editor at a local TV station. It's October. What's the problem? The problem is, Kids could be getting these at Halloween. They could be getting these THC lace nerds when they're to Halloween. Now, there's a quote in here from, from the police officer. Who knows where these things could have wound up? People think they're funny and they're going to put them in Halloween bags and not realize you could have a child now that could have a reaction to it. Now, I don't think then that perhaps Chief Heron has ever interacted with a pothead. Because I will tell you one thing, they are not handing out their marijuana nerd rope to children for Halloween. <laughs> they are taking it themselves. They did not smuggle it into eastern Pennsylvania. That's to, like hidden away in the safe. Yeah, to give it out as a gag yeah. gift. They are keeping their pot a chief heron. Secured. And, but, but just be on, be on the lookout because between now and Halloween. And the, so here's something that will, I promise you, never, ever happen. I'm not saying that a child hasn't ever gotten, accidentally gotten, or had found their parent's stash or whatever. No one is handing out THC edibles for Halloween to children because they're taking them themselves. And this goes into the same piece of like, look out for, uh, what should you do for uh, Halloween candy safety? Should you take it down and have it x-rayed in case somebody put razor blades in it, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, when does this ever happen? Well, never, but it could. But it could. So to all of you local news assignment editors who want to engage in fear-mongering around innocent, lovely trick-or-treating, take a gummy and chill out. Chris, it's time for our Obsessions of the Week. Where we break down the stories that we can't get out of our heads. Chris, what is yours? You're going to be so mad. You are going to be so mad because it is about... I know that we are a news media podcast, but this is about the intersection between social media and news media. Okay. So there's a fundamental debate that's taking place in the country right now, which is, is social media, should social media be treated the same as news media or not? What's the, like, where does it fall? So there was big news this week about YouTube cracking down on anti-vaccine disinformation, misinformation, really taking a hard line on the vaccine. Now, again, I'm going to point out this is probably not changing anybody's minds. If you're trolling around YouTube, if you if you instead of talking to your doctor are trolling YouTube for videos of weirdos and you want to hear what the My Pillow guy says, you're probably taking these videos down. Probably not the thing. Anyway, 
was probably not going to make that much of a difference. But Twitter, I noticed this. So I'm lurking now. I'm now a lurker. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed to admit that I am now a lurker as I work on my book. And with the hell, I, I can't just leave it to the great Samantha Goldstein to have her eyes on all of my social media, on all social media stuff. I have to, I have to dip, dip in. So I noticed for two days, Twitter has this story up banner, like in their what's happening section, Biden's vaccine mandate for workers is supported by legal precedents, comma, experts say. And they're putting it up there as a news story. Like here is a new, here, here's some news that you need to know. Now, the answer is the, the correct headline would be like experts split experts disagree on whether the president has the power through the labor department to force employers to force their workers to get shots. That is an open question debated on the left, debated on the right, debated all over the place. It's very contentious. They put it forward. They treat it as a news story. Twitter treated it as a news story, like in the other run of things, like it's going to rain on Friday. The Cardinals are on an amazing winning streak. What, what? And all of these other things. And just put in there, quote, Biden's vaccine mandate for workers is supported by legal uh, precedents. Experts say yes. And other experts violently disagree. There's a great piece in the Wall Street Journal about this. An opinion piece talks about the legal questions here. Dear Twitter, if you want to be treated as a platform and not a source, don't be a source. If you want to be treated as a platform and not a source, don't be a source. Chris, my obsession is... Ben Smith of the New York Times, the media equation columnist there. Three cheers for him exposing the Theranos of media, which is Aussie media. You got to tell. Before you do anything, you have to tell the scene of the meeting. What what do you mean? The story of the meeting where the guy wasn't really. Oh, that's what. Yeah. 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 Tell tell him the story. It's just So Ben Smith gets this incredible anecdote about the. This thing is called Aussie Media, and he details the invest, the very wealthy and ostensibly sophisticated investors, including Laureen Powell Jobs and the Ford Foundation and the Koch brothers, yada, yada, yada. This was, and I think to, to, for context, because a lot of people probably haven't seen Aussie. So this was like 10 years ago or so that yeah. they got started. And much like Vice suckered in a lot of people. Backing from Silicon Valley. Yeah, uh, where da, 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 da. we're going to be a different kind of news, and, and it'll be... It'll be cool because it's not going to be it's not going to be opinionated. It's going to be different. It's going to be quirky. It's going to be all this stuff. So Ben writes about this scene that which was relayed to him where Ozzy is going to pitch Goldman Sachs on an investment. And they say that Ozzy gets so many clicks on YouTube and is making so many ad dollars from YouTube. And their selling point for a $30 million. Yeah. Yeah. Their selling point for, I believe it was a 30 or $40 million cash infusion from Goldman was their massive success on YouTube for unscripted videos. So the, they have someone on supposedly who's from YouTube who can speak to this. It's going to be supposed to be a Zoom meeting. And they're like, oh, Uh, I'm having trouble with the Zoom. The guy's the head of unscripted programming for YouTube originals. And they, the the guys at Goldman were like, oh, his voice sounds kind of well, weird. No. So first, it's going to be, I love this. They're like, oh, it's supposed to be a Zoom meeting. And they're like, I'm having, I'm late. I'm having trouble with my Zoom. I'm having trouble with my Zoom. Can we just do a conference call? So they're like, okay, we'll just do the conference call. And they start the conference call. And they, they think the guy's voice sounds weird. Push come to shove. Goldman ends up calling YouTube and saying, trying to verify with this guy that he was on the call. And no, they had a third, they had a, 
Ozzy had its own executive pretending to be the guy from YouTube. It's like when you put a T-shirt over the their, phone in the old yeah, days how great their to call and is. be like, yeah, this is Chris's dad. He can definitely <laughs> stay over tonight. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Not that I ever did that. He's like, these sophisticates suckered all these left-wing, you know, billionaires, oh, whatever. Like the arrogance of people who who believe that because they're good at one thing, they're good at other things. And what are we in the media but a swamp that we will drag you into and kill you? You will come into our space and you will die there with us because pro nothing will we will crush your hopes of profitability. So now Caddy Kay has resigned. The Silicon Valley investor Ron Conway is surrendering his shares in the company. And, the, and then the company CEO is the guy Carlos Watson. He's on NPR's board, so there's a question Ugh. whether NPR has to drop him from the board. So uh, the other thing that, that like, struck me is all these, like, Laurie and Powell jobs, Ford Foundation, they're all suckered. And the FBI is now investigating this impersonation. But if it not for, like, you know, these the people at Goldman Sachs, they very well might have committed a crime by defrauding. So they didn't only because the Goldman people wised up, um, Chris. Your favorite time of the week. Sorry, it was sort of an abrupt end, but we're we're a little bit rushed today. Oh, uh, we're okay. I'm sorry. So, Hi, Kay. It's fine. That's just as bad. I say we're back. <laughs> it is time for our favorite items of the week. Where Chris makes me say something nice. Whoa. All right. Well, I, I'm going to cheat and have one and a half. I, I was going to just really praise Simone Biles for she had an interview with The Cut that was excellent where she said an obvious thing we spent time on this show uh, a lot of people spent time talking about her decision to withdraw from a competition in the tokyo olympics and all of this stuff and like it turned into matters of race it turned into politics it turned to whatever and she said something really beautiful and really great in this interview which was we didn't know how much her being victimized by Larry Nasser at Michigan State and the sexual abuse that those gymnasts were subjected to. And she was able to be very honest and say that she should have known before Tokyo, she should have known before that it was too much. And I really honor her. I really praise her for having, that's the real courage, right? So people were like, oh, she was courageous not for competing. The real courage is for her to come out and say, I was wrong. And I should have known better, and I didn't. And really, uh, kudos to her. And I'm so sorry for what she had to go through. Uh, very terrible. But my other one, if I can slip in another one, is uh, you can take mine because no, yeah, the capital. That's my mood. The, the Capital Gazette murders, which you all remember from that was 2018, 17. Mm, well, I'm going to go through the enormous work of clicking the link to see 2018. Wow. 2018. So this this was the, the tragedy of the deranged gunman came in and killed the journalists at the Capitol Gazette, which covers Annapolis, and some closure, some justice there. Five life, consecutive life sentences, no parole for the killer there that was not treated as uh, something something else or something wrong, was treated as what it should have been, which was a heinous crime. And thanks to that judge for, for seeing that. My favorite item, I'm rethinking, I think my favorite item is going to have to be the Ben Smith item. Not only you for the great reporting, Are you double I'm, dip I'm double dipping, but also because it made me feel really good that we may not, the free beacon may not be getting like 1 million views on YouTube and monetizing it, but they're all lying. But yeah. we're honest when we tell you about our traffic statistics. It's a swamp. Don't come again. Yes. yes. I, I will say so that. Thank you. That was like a very selfish. Yes. Well, I, I will say that the one that Eliana did not share, which was about 
fallacious gorillas at the which at the Brock Zoo the, the New York Post had a report it was I mean this is like why people read the post yeah. you know this is why people pick up that newspaper so we will link that it's not actually my favorite item but I thought this is like so on brand and it, wonderful the, the New York Post a, fallac- uh, a fallacious gorilla uh delighted the uh Bronx Zoo attendees and what could be more Bronx Zoo than a fallacious gorilla? yeah uh all right I'm linking that right now that is all the time that we have left for this week. That's your news about the news. If you have a story that you want us to talk about, email us at wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. That's wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. This has been Ink Stained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Wretches. <laughs>